To Moving Iron Podcast Markets with Angie Setzer, and Angie is the lead. What is your title at, at Citizens? <laughs> well, I have appropriate ones and inappropriate ones, but the the <laughs> right? the, the yeah. appropriate one, uh, safe for work, is uh, I'm the vice president of Grain, so right. for so, Citizens Elevator. So she is the she basically you're buying and selling and looking for the for the ins and outs in the grain market all day long, right? Yeah, all day. I spend time. And so I always kind of chuckle a little bit because people think when you manage an elevator, right, it's just as simple as buying low and selling high and, and all of that. I've actually had people say that. Well, how hard can it be? You buy it cheaper at harvest time than you sell it for. I'm like, oh, well, that's simple enough. But so I need to constantly be kind of scanning the market, not only from a basis standpoint, but from a spreads, you know, what is taking place in the spreads, what is taking place in futures. You know, what are we looking at going forward? That sort of thing. And then I also manage logistics and uh, getting the fumigators in if they're needed or, you know, getting that two-way order that you need to replace because you got wheat, your beans, you know, all that other fun stuff falls yeah. in the, to my lap as well. Well, good times, then. Well, good oh, times yeah. yesterday's crop report came out yesterday and and uh, there must not have been something in there the traders were looking for because it... uh started up and then it finished way down yesterday. So talk a little bit about that report and what, what came of that, what, what were traders looking for that was missing? Yeah, we keep waiting for the USDA to come out and say, yep, you guys are right. That yield's just not there. And, you know, at this point in time, I just don't think there's enough, there was enough information for the USDA to do that. They actually went in and, and uh, increased yield a bit more than anticipated. Traders were expecting yield to come down. Um, you know, a bushel, close to a bushel on the average guest side of things. And it actually went up, you know, about a half a bushel, nothing huge. Uh, harvested acres came down 200,000. The biggest shift in what we saw yesterday, really, and no one has paid any attention to it, is the USDA took 150 million off from exports, 50 million off from ethanol, increased feed demand a little bit because of last week's numbers, but didn't do anything you know, as aggressive as what had been anticipated with the reduction in production, all that good stuff. So we just really saw um, the carryout come in larger than anticipated. And because of carryout coming in larger than anticipated, the Colton has an opinion on that. Uh, because of the carryout coming in larger than anticipated, you know, we saw this big sell-off. It was way overdone. I mean, as we sit here this morning, we're back up six and a half cents. Yeah. Um, you know, it was really just one of those where the report came out, traders reacted more in an electronic computer trade standpoint, um, reacted quite in a knee-jerk sort of fashion. And so then we saw what we saw. Yeah. The other thing, I was really thinking that even if that report came out to be a bit negative yesterday, that there would be some kind of leveling out of the report and this this freeze event that we're seeing that's pretty widespread across the bulk of the, of the Corn Belt. Uh, where I'm at here this morning, it's uh, we had three inches of snow yesterday, and we had it's 17 degrees right now. And the further north you went, the more snow they got, the colder it is. So yeah, it's gross. As you, as you go across the uh, 
Nebraska across I-80. I think Omaha had their first freeze last night too. So um, start looking into Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, up in your neck of the woods, up there in Michigan, Wisconsin, those areas. That that yeah. freeze is coming, and it's it's pretty much there. And, and uh, the growing season is done. So whatever been produced for the most part is going to be done. I really thought there'd be a, a bigger maybe a leveling out of something there wouldn't be a really a big swing one way or the other but I was, I was wrong yeah. because of that yeah right we would take weather into consideration and I think that's part of why you're seeing this big rebound today you know like I said as of the time that we're recording this beans are up seven eight cents they've been up as much as a dime you know corn's up six six and a half wheat's up four and I think that's really where that's coming from I think yesterday was one of those days and we've we've seen it happen before And I'll always tell my growers, you know, really when it comes down to it, unless something significant has happened from a fundamental standpoint, which yesterday wasn't an adjustment. It wasn't a significant event, fundamentally speaking. It just didn't, the numbers didn't come out like we wanted. Um, I think the USDA is probably um, maybe peak bearish. Maybe we do see another adjustment to demand, but I think they're really kind of at the situation right now where we have slash demand you know, pretty substantially, we're down to a reduction. We're not going to see a growth in, in ethanol numbers for the USDA, though right now the ethanol margin structure is, is much better than it's been here over the last several months. We saw a significant drawdown in stocks here um, this past week. Actually, I think the largest in the last nine years on the stock side, um, you know, with we've seen that decrease in production. I think we've really kind of bottomed out on, on the, the ethanol side. And so yesterday was more of a Oh, crud, the numbers were way worse than what we expected. And you saw sell stops hit. You saw the market just kind of lose its steam. And most smart traders, and maybe I, using the word smart isn't necessarily the way to go about it, but I'm still going to stick with it. Most smart traders will just stay out of the way. They'll just let the market do what it needs to do, let the dust settle, and then they'll come in the next day and we'll reevaluate and kind of make our, our next step. And I think that's where we're at. I think we're going to start to now kind of talk about Okay, 168.4 is probably on the high side of estimates from a production standpoint. How much is immature? What is going to happen? And I think we need to see, too, what the actual loss is. We can assume that there's going to be huge losses. I've seen, you know, one, one comment was 300 million bushel loss. One was 750 million bushel loss. We don't know. We honestly don't know. Um you know, when a, a crop is immature, when you don't hit black layer, obviously it's going to be very difficult when it freezes to dry down, to have quality be decent. Saw it happen in 2009 across a good portion of the, the Corn Belt, the Northern Corn Belt anyway. USDA didn't know how to handle it. They never really made an adjustment to production until the end of September when we got to the end of bin, the bottom of bins, similar to this last month, got to the bottom of bins and we're like, oh, well, there wasn't as much out there as what we thought. So this is going to be kind of a constant um, evolution of discovery, I guess you could say. And once we are able to get back into the fields, we'll get a real feel for what we actually have lost. But for now, it's just kind of a back and forth on, you know, what has been lost? What are we looking at? Um, I've talked to a few different agronomists throughout much of Iowa that say that most of the corn that they're walking or checking is black layer. Um, But then I'll talk to farmers that are like, Oh no, we're, we're weeks away from Black Laird. Well, guess what? Whether or not we had had this freeze event here, 
we're middle of October. And so you're really looking at a high temperature perspective, you know, potential throughout much of the Northern Corn Belt anyway, of 50 to 60 degrees. You're not really accumulating growing degree days at that point. Anyway, we weren't really going to finish the crop at all. And we knew that when we planted it in June. Um, so we're just going to have a lot of uh, moving pieces, I guess, and, and production still going to be the wild card demand is what we need to see because yesterday's demand adjustment was really kind of the not talked about event i mean it was a 200 million bushel cut in demand less you know if you didn't factor in what they had done with with feed and so i think that was where the surprise came in everyone knew we needed to cut feed demand because of the quarterly stocks numbers they weren't anticipating a 200 million bushel cut in uh corn demand for ethanol and exports yep <clears throat> yeah there's a uh, plenty of stuff going on so Mm-hmm. brought it up you brought it up here when we were talking kind of rapping about what we were going to talk about uh pre-show and and uh you brought up the grand solar minimum and and those kind of things that are going on there so uh john hackett's on here talks about it quite a bit there's i've had people on uh jake Mar from grand solar minimum YouTube on quite a bit talking about that and the more the more i listen to what people say the more uh the more I get to thinking that there's probably a uh, little something to this grand solar minimum thing. So what's your take on, on what you've read and what you've heard about it? And, and what do you, uh, I guess, are you uh, drinking the Kool-Aid, I guess? <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, I haven't spent that much time um, researching it. I've heard stories. I've heard people talking about it. I've heard that we're working our way that way. And, you know, reality is that that is something that we're going to see, you know, honestly, and I, I have to choose my words very carefully, right? Because you don't want to offend anyone. It is 2019. But we've seen a significant expansion in northern growing areas um, over the last 10 years or so. Areas that traditionally weren't capable of growing or having an extended growing season, one long enough to really kind of uh, produce a, a crop worthwhile. This extension in that growing season is allowed for, like I said, that significant expansion to the north. And so it makes me wonder, you know, is this going to become, I don't want to say the new normal because there's no such thing as normal, honestly, but are we going to work our way into a cycle here where we do see uh, a more delayed springtime environment, a cooler summer that really doesn't allow for rapid production um, in crops? And then a, a sooner than normal end to the growing season. And that would be what we would see with the grand solar minimum, right? Because you wouldn't have the, the power, I guess, uh, for lack of a better term, um, coming from the sun that we've been kind of experiencing here over the last decade or so. It always takes me back. The one thing that I've been thinking about a lot um, lately is, you know, I read The Greatest Hard Time a few years back. And if you get time, read it. It's awesome. Um, about the Dust Bowl. And the one thing that it talks about is that when the government started offering all of the this land, you know, Boise City and, and all of that um, down that way, they'd experienced massive amount of rain. So as far as they were concerned, based on the historical data that, that these settlers were getting, it was a, a garden. You were moving into a garden. Well, it turns out that this it is a garden. For about three to five years and then it's a desert for about five to ten years and then it's a garden again and you know and so I'm, you're really starting to see that I think um, you know here over the the last decade 15 years that I've been doing this you really see the cyclical um, the cyclical uh, way that weather tends to work 
Um, so it'll be interesting to see what this means for us in the next five years, you know, specifically for the growers that aren't in that central core corn belt area. There's a reason that Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Ohio are considered corn belt, you know, the corn belt, because traditionally their weather is pretty much the same. It doesn't have these wide um, swings. I mean, they do experience some, but not like, you know, where you're at in Nebraska, where you're 80 degrees and then 18 degrees and 24 hours or whatever. I mean, they, they, they tend to see a more of a, a modified um, weather pattern from what I'm seeing. So it definitely, weather will influence it. Um, the climate is always changing. That's what I always say. I'm like, Climate change is a is an interesting moniker, in my opinion, because the climate is constantly changing, you know, as the dinosaurs or whatever. But, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens as it, it goes forward and how that influences um, decisions growers are making. Good stuff, Angie. Plenty of stuff out there to pay attention to. Folks want to reach out to you. What's the best way to do that? You can find me on Twitter at Goddess of Grain or email me at asetzer at citizenselevator.com. Right on. Angie, thanks for being on the podcast, and we'll talk to you again soon. Yep. Thanks for having me. Have a good one. You too.
See you. 